Come on, He's our rock this morning. He's our hope this morning. It is you, Jesus. We stand on your name this morning, God. It's the answer. It's the hope of the world. Light to the nations. The answer to our problems, our failures, is Jesus. We gather around your name this morning, God. There's no other name we gather around. The name of Christ, the Messiah, the risen one, the name above all names. We honour you, Jesus. We honour you, Lord. We lift you with our praise. We lift you with our words, our heart. We magnify you, Jesus. We magnify you. The Bible says that if we lift the name of Jesus, His, His presence will come in. Like a flood, He will arrive by His Spirit. We confess the name of Christ to be above all things and above our life here and now this morning. And I believe His Spirit's here with us. The Holy One of God in our midst. Thank you, Lord. Come, just drop your guard for a moment. Just come before Him with humility. Crack the scale of your heart that has softened before the King. One that knows you inside out. One that's been anticipating this moment all week much longer than we have been.
hearts are full, but soft. Lord, we stand our attention to your voice this morning, to your to your challenge and your encouragement in our life. Lord, when we come around your word this morning, we pray it'd be a life to us. Breathe upon it. May you come off the pages and hit our heart, hit our soul. Thank you, Jesus. Lord bless you. Amen. God's here. Amen. And you can be sure of that. And take your seats. You know, sometimes you can be have that that doubt in your mind. Yeah, I don't know. Let me let me assure you, His presence is here, and um, you open yourself up to Him. You'll find Him this morning. Yes, actually, the power that we have to be turned on or to switched off from His presence. And so, switch yourself on this morning. I'm going to have uh, the great honor to invite Scott to come to the stage right now and and lead us in our thinking. Drop your, drop your guard this morning, let him challenge you, and uh, at home, when you get home, then you can weigh it all up, but just be vulnerable in the presence of God this morning. And uh, why don't you put your hands together for this mighty man of God, Scott Hansey, come and share with us this morning. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Privileged to be here. Wow. What a weekend we've had. For those who have been part of the journey, and for those who haven't, this is our first date. Nice to see you. It's a real honour and privilege to be uh, with you as a church, and uh, with the guys on Friday night, men on Saturday, leaders last night. It's been great, so really do appreciate that. I just want to thank uh, Pastor Garen and Cassie for having us, and it's just great. We really do appreciate they've done a tremendous job, and what a, what a great church, you know, like, you guys are really blessed. Uh, this is, I tell you, the, 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 the sense of genuineness in the church is, is quite extraordinary. This is a genuine church. You can step in here and be yourself, and I'm sure that's one of your core values, is that you want to be a church like that. So as an outsider coming in, let me tell you, it's very much there. You, you, you can be who you are, and that's a great thing. Too many churches are building in a way that you have to be invincible to be a part of it, and that you can't fail and you can't be uh, vulnerable. But this is a church that's not like that. So keep developing that, and I know that'll be such a strong point. I think it's also awesome to see Pastor Ray and Margaret serving their son last night, as Garen mentioned. I, I was overwhelmed with that a bit, to be honest. Uh, with a, as a guy with four sons, I want to honour my kids and I want to serve my kids. And so you don't often see it in ministry unfortunately, so it's really nice to see. And you've got a great model there in those guys, that's for sure. Well, I want to talk about uh, Willy Wonka. Um, you won't find a verse in any of the scriptures, just so you know. So if, you, if you're looking through right now Ezekiel or Haggai or, you know, some of these things, you're not going to find it. It's just, it's just my all-time favorite movie. And so because I've got the microphone, I'm going to talk about it. Uh, I have a few others, uh, but this is sort of the one that I love the most, and I'm really bad. You know, I'm 46 years of age, and I listen to the soundtrack in my car. Um, my kids hate it, um, especially when they were really young. They used to be embarrassed when their, ki their mates would hop in the car, and I'm in the front singing, Who can make the sun shine? 
Um, definitely didn't do much for their image. Um, but I just love everything about it. So I thought that I would share something from the movie with you today. Um, we could have just sat and watched the movie and you probably would have enjoyed that. But I'm going to share a few things. Today I want to talk about breaking the glass ceiling. And, uh, you know, glass, there he is. There, what, a, what a great picture. Um, I won't tell you which character I think I am in that picture, but let's just say the one that probably likes the food. Um, but all of us have glass ceilings or ceilings that hold our life. And on, on Saturday morning, I spoke to the men about body, soul and spirit, about healing those wounds that are found within our soul realm, in our free will, in our emotions, in our personality, that we are damaged, all of us in this room in some way. And so the Holy Spirit, the moment that you surrender your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins the process of working on those wounds. And those wounds keep us in a sealed place. There, in other words, there's a ceiling that's over our lives that keeps us uh, bound up and, and causes us not to be able to go beyond uh, where we are. And, and I would be strong enough to say often not even able to move into the will of God. And that might sound pretty strong because you might say, well, God can do everything and, and nothing can stop him. You're right. Nothing can stop him, but you can I want you to know that you can, by, another, by, by stepping back from his will, by choosing not to progress where he wants you to go to. You and I have that free will choice, which is a wonderful gift from him. But the problem is that we can choose to live our entire life in a small place, and God doesn't want to do that. So we're going to look at that this morning. How do we break the glass ceiling over our life? How do we move through that? And this is not just for younger people. This is for all ages. Uh, you know, don't, don't sit back and think, oh, well, you know, I, I, I'm at the place in my life where I feel like I've done everything I can anyway. I'm, you know, no, no, no. There's still more to come. There's still more to come in your life. And uh, in, in Christianity, we don't retire. We refire. Uh, you know, there's no retirement plan in the kingdom of God. This is not a, uh, I preached this message once, we're not, on a, we're not on a cruise liner, we're on a battleship. In other words, we're not on the deck chairs in the, in the cruise liner in this Christian walk. We're on the, on the battlefront, we're on the battleship, we're, we're constantly moving forward. So, so what is a glass ceiling? The glass ceiling metaphor has often been used to describe an invisible barrier. It's glass. It's often obvious to other people, but not yourself. Other people can see you moving forward, falling back, moving forward, falling back. This is a common thing you see right throughout churches all over our nation where people, you know, come along for a season into a church and, and they're progressing forward and they begin to get close to their glass ceiling, whatever that may be, and the Holy Spirit starts to work on them. He starts to say, you know, you need to deal with this, whatever it could be, so that you can break through that, and all of a sudden, and Garen will know what I'm talking about, the person will come and visit you, they'll say, can I come and see you for a little while? And this is the words they use, God told me. God told me to move to another church. I love that. You know, because once you play the God told me card, there's nothing you can do. You know, what are you supposed to say as a pastor? Oh, get behind me, Satan. You know, but the reality is that very few, very few of those people actually have a God told me moment. They actually have an ouch, this hurts moment. 
They actually have a, I don't want to confront this issue as I'm hitting the glass ceiling. I want to go somewhere where I can ignore that and hopefully the pain will go away when I go to that next location. The problem is I've found that wherever you go next, you're there. And so people just keep reinventing this thing. We, we call them church hoppers, but they're people who go somewhere and then it raises its head. And then they go to another place, it raises its head. And I don't know if that happens in the Bay Area, but it definitely happens in where we are. And we just have this moving congregation. It's quite funny because we have a good relationship with all the pastors. And so we just ring each other. And we say, have you got these three people? They say, yeah, we have. We said, oh, we had them last week. Uh, this is what's going to happen. I'll give them four weeks. Just address this issue, because if you do, they'll go. And sure enough, they go. So we need to be prepared to face this glass ceiling. It's invisible, but real barrier through which the next stage or level of advancement can be seen, but can't be reached. In other words, you know what's in your heart. You know what God's calling you to. You know what the future holds, what the destiny of God is within you. You can see it, but you just can't reach it. And that's what I term today with you as a glass ceiling. And I believe when Jesus died on the cross, he died to destroy the glass ceiling. He wants to break that glass ceiling, and we're going to talk about that. I just said I'd throw this scripture up for you for free today. I'm not going to charge you for it. But it's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Oh, you don't have it on your thing. I'm gonna, I'll read it to you. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 verse 17. You'll notice that it's 2017. It's the verse for you for the rest of the year. I'm giving it to you. It says this in 2 Chronicles 2017. You need not fight in this battle. Take your positions, stand, and witness the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. I want that to be a verse that, that maybe you hold on to for the next six months. That as you decide to address these glass ceilings and begin to confront some of these restrictions after this message, when you go away and maybe you begin to think about what are some of the things that are holding me, that when you begin to allow God to work on them, that you'll come back to this scripture when the going gets tough. To know this, that you need not fight in this battle. Take your position. I won't preach on this this morning, but the position is where you are found in Christ that you're a child of the king, that you're anointed. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You have an overcoming spirit. So take your position, stand. It's a terminology that was used for Roman soldiers when they would array for battle. They would place both feet in the, in the dirt with a strong positioning. They knew their authority. They were confident in who they were and who they fought on behalf of. That's the terminology that's being used in the Greek. Take your position, stand and witness the salvation of the Lord who is with you. So this next coming six months, maybe that will be an encouragement to you. So let's talk about um, breaking dark glass ceilings. And at the end of this morning, I'm going to show you the video clip of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. We've got to watch a little bit, don't you think? So I brought that with me just so we can, you know, enjoy that. and We can watch the whole lot if you want, you know, whatever. The first level, I'm going to talk about three levels this morning. The first level is the sticky floor. The sticky floor level. 
The sticky floor is basically just that. It's, it's where you get stuck on the very bottom level. You've given your life to Jesus, but you just don't seem to be progressing. You're stuck. You can't work it out. It doesn't make any sense. You want to break through, but you're stuck. Here's some thoughts as to why people get stuck on that first floor. The first one, as I mentioned in this uh, yesterday to the men, is a generational stronghold. A generational stronghold is, is an, a, a huge barrier to so many people. A stronghold in the Bible is a mindset or a, a wall that's been built around your mind. A mindset, a stronghold is built via so many different things, and I mentioned those yesterday. They can be words, they can be circumstances, there can be an array of things that, that build strongholds around you. Some of the strongholds are unbelief. So even though you're in a church of this style and it's a Pentecostal church and there's the power of God is present and we know that God can heal, but within you there's still a sense of unbelief. For some of you it's a sarcasm because you've grown up in a sarcastic world. Maybe your parents, one of your parents or people that influenced you were sarcastic. So you're sarcastic to the things of God. You don't, you don't mean to be, but when someone says we're going to pray for someone to be healed, your immediate response is as if. Or that will never happen. Or that's impossible. It's a, it's a stronghold that somehow built itself around your thinking. And so, so many of us come into this Christianity with these existing strongholds that are very, very challenging to move with. It's a bit like when two couples get married and uh, that first period of marriage. How many remember that first sort of stage? It was probably awesome for you, but it was a challenge for me. My... My wife was incredibly challenging. I mean, I was perfect. I came with no strongholds, but she came with a whole heap. And uh, I'm saying that because she's not here. And, um, but the reality is that we both go into these things with different worlds, worlds apart. Uh, for, for some of us, we've had an awesome upbringing with very close family. And it's been healthy. It's been great. The other partner has had uh, maybe a single parent, one parent that's been there. Maybe the, one of the, the other, the other um, parent it was, was not healthy at all. And, and so, you know, a whole lot of things mixes together and collides. And so things like working on conflict. In my marriage, when we first got married, this is how we dealt with conflict. My wife wanted to rock and roll wrestle. She wanted to battle it out. She wanted to talk it out. She wanted it all fixed. I wanted to run. I wanted to not talk about anything. I wanted to ignore the situation. And so we had this running around the lounge room episodes where she was trying to convince me to stop so we could talk. I just wanted to turn the TV on and ignore that there were even an issue because ultimately it would go away. <laughs> and so it's a bit like we carry these things into our, into our marriage, but we equally carry it into our relationship with Jesus. Are you with me? We carry these pre-existing strongholds into our relationship that then holds us on that sticky floor and unless we're prepared to address them they're not going to go away and so are people like that saved of course they are they love Jesus they're they're going to enter eternity with him I have no doubt about that but I believe there's going to be a word something like there was a whole lot more there was a whole lot more for you that I had in your, in your plan and purpose, but you chose by your free will to stay on level one. Level one. Another one is age. Some people use age as an excuse. I'm too young. 
I'm too old. I'm too in between. We're constantly using these as excuses to stay on that level one and just be stuck in that one position. Another one is tradition. A wonderful one there, where that, that tradition says words like this. That's the way we've always done it. That's the way it's always been around here. Our family have, you know, uh, typically we've got a family in our church where uh, the son went to university. He was the first one in all their, their, their family line to go to university. And their parents, even though they were Christian, couldn't handle that concept. And they would say to them, but no one in our family has ever gone to university. You're not going to uni. No one in our family goes to uni. That's just the way it is. Well, thank God that guy didn't only go to uni. He's now got a master's in international business and a whole array of things. But he had to break through. Are you with me? He had to break through this sticky floor mentality of breaking the traditions. And so many of us are caught in tradition and staying at the same level. So the next slide I have for you is a picture of a, of a, of a city. Uh, sorry, it's the one you've shown the one too quickly. It's the one before that. That's the one. Sticky floor. This is a, a town in Germany. It's a lovely village, and it happens to be the very village where they shot the film Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. My goal is to one day walk that street and sing at the top of my voice. But this is the street view of that particular area where Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was filmed, and that's the view that you receive at the sticky level position. It's a wonderful view, there's nothing wrong with it, but as we progress, I want to show you that as you break through, here it is, your perspective changes. Your perspective changes. Let's go on to the second level, and I call this the frozen middle. The frozen middle. So what keeps us frozen? In other words, you started to progress from the sticky floor, but for some reason you got frozen in the middle. You were on your way to the journey, but something happened that caused the lift to stop. Now here's some things. Past experiences. Past experiences. This is a, a very powerful one. Here's a thought around past experiences. May your theology be built around the word, not built on your past experience. Now, this is crucial when it comes to things like healing, physical healing. The reason this is crucial is because often what happens is people, and there's two parts to this, when you pray for people or when you're believing for a healing. The first one is when you pray for people. I don't know about you, but sometimes you pray for people and they get worse. You know, you, you do everything right, you, 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 you say it the right way, you even shundi bundi on a Monday, you use all the, the prayer language, you, you say Kawasaki, Honda and Suzuki, you do the whole lot, everything flows perfectly, but yet they seem to get sick and worse. So, so therefore your past experience becomes your theology. Your theology says to you, I prayed for them, they didn't get better, that's where I'm at. I'm now frozen in that belief system, which then builds a stronghold. That happens to so many people. The other side of it is when you come out for prayer or you ask for prayer. And this is a challenge. Because when you've been prayed for a number of times over a situation, 
it begins to get you to a place of, again, your theology becomes your experience. And rather than believing things like Psalm 103 verse 3 that says he heals every sickness and every disease, you begin to see your theology through the eyes of your experience that I've been praying for and nothing happens. Before long, it begins to build a stronghold of doubt and unbelief. And so therefore, even though you're responding to a prayer request or a prayer call, you're coming out with the wrong theology. You're coming out with a mindset of doubt and unbelief. This, this is not an easy thing to overcome by any means. Don't, I don't think it's a degrading thing on anybody like that. I think it's actually a very challenging thing. But past experiences can freeze us into a certain position. The next one is fear. Many people don't progress due to fear. The fear. Uh, I, this is, fear is rampant in the body of Christ. Rampant. We know that Timothy says that God, Paul said to Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. We know that, we quote it, and again, it's on the back of our toilet doors. Written very nicely. But the reality is that there are so many fears just found within this building. The fear of failure is a huge one in the church. Well, if I step out in this, what if I fail? What if someone sees me fail? How am I going to handle that failure? What are they going to think of me? The fear of death, the fear of uh, heights, the fear of dark, the fear of... There is, you, know, you, you need to understand this. There is nothing weird about fear. Fear is really very real to that person. doesn't matter what it is. It's real. But fear disables Christians. It's a very strong demonic spirit that knows that it can't wipe out your salvation, but it knows it can disable you. And what happens is you begin to accommodate fear. So your lifestyle changes based around fear. That's what's incredible. See, fear and faith are exactly the same thing. You might say, no, they're not. Yes, they are. The definition in Hebrews 11.1 1 is fear is believing in something you cannot yet see, but you believe it's going to come to pass. That's faith. Fear is believing in something you cannot yet see, but you believe it's going to come to pass. They both work in the same dimension, but the reality is that you need to choose which one you're going to take. Fear. So fear can freeze you in this, in this frozen middle where you're stuck, and people get stuck in fear for years and years and years and years, and they never progress any further. They never take a step. They never move out of their world. And fear has the ability to make your world become small quickly, incredibly small. So we have people in our church that haven't been outside the house for three years. I still consider them part of the church, but they haven't been outside the house. They can't even go to the letterbox. Their world has become so small. It didn't start that way. They had some circumstances, situations, but they, they, their world, that spirit, that, that thing got so attached and brought their world from such a large place to such a small place. That now their world consists of the lounge room and their bedroom and, and that's about it. They just walk. That's, that's their world. And that's what this spirit tends to do. So it keeps us frozen. And then the last one that can keep us frozen in the middle is a sense of security that we have been raised to become comfortable. It's one of the worst things of Western society, I'm going to be honest with you. Our Western society mindset is work hard, work harder so you can become comfortable. 
That's our whole progress. Everything is about becoming more and more comfortable, where the kingdom of God is not about comfort. Never has been, never will be, never promises a comfortable life. Promises that your life's not your own. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. My life is no longer my own. That which I have, I serve Christ with what I have. I lay my life down and I'm dead. There's nothing of me in this body. I wasn't called to build comfort. I was called to be obedient. That's the difference. But we somehow have got this opinion that we need to be comfortable. So often when we feel like our comfort is being challenged, we then freeze. We freeze. We've lost the pioneering spirit. The days of going out on the mission field, sending out people into missions where they could lose their life in the early beginning of the century when they would go out into places like Africa and other countries and literally they were on their way there knowing that potentially their life would be taken. They would take their families and lose children and lose wives and, and, and all sorts of things. But they did it because they knew that this was not about comfort. It was about a call. But the modern, western, comfortable church, we've lost that pioneering spirit. And so we just get stuck. This is my lot. I'll come to church. And it's almost like we're doing, you know, Garen and, and everyone a favor. It's like, well, I'm here this morning. Yeah. I got up uh, a little bit earlier than normal. I'm here. And... Um, I'm even prepared, it's a big sacrifice, but I'm even prepared once every six weeks to put the chairs out. No, I don't want you to make a big deal of it. Are you with me? We have this mentality like we're doing everyone a favour. You know, when reality is it's an awesome privilege to serve the king. It's a privilege to, to be a part of the church and to build the church. So let's get off that sense of security. So when we get to level two, it looks like this one. That's the frozen middle. So we're higher. Same, you know what's interesting? It's the same place. <laughs> it's the same place. And in this photo, there's still people stuck on the sticky floor. And they're seeing nothing like what you're seeing. You're seeing a whole different perspective of what God's doing, of what he has for your life, of what the future holds, of how you can break through things. You see a completely different perspective. How many want to be there? No, I don't want to be there. It's nice, but it's still not the best. Let's go on to number three. I call this the Willy Wonka level. This is where you break through the ceiling. This is where it happens. So what breaks you through the ceiling? What gets you to that place? Well, the first one is strength and courage. To, to break through anything is going to take strength and it's going to take courage. That's why when Joshua was going into the promised land, God said to Joshua at least seven, eight times, he said, I want you to be strong and courageous. He didn't say it's going to be easy for you. Do you notice that? He didn't say, I'm going to make this all comfortable for you so you can just stroll into the promise. It was a promise that was given to him, but it's a promise that needed strength and courage. See, we all want the promises, but we don't want to have to go through the process of having strength and courage. 
So we need strength and courage to break through those ceilings. Stepping out into things you've never done before, breaking through things that you've never experienced before, going on a missions trip when you would never do that in your life. I spoke to Kevin yesterday, he went to Vietnam. He said he was petrified. What a great place to be, petrified for Jesus. But positioning yourself into things that you normally wouldn't do, stretching yourself beyond your ceiling, positioning yourself to stretch. So if you're comfortable right now, I want to encourage you, position yourself into something different. Actually move yourself and position yourself. The next one is attached to the vine. In other words, you need to keep in that relationship with Jesus. Now, I know this is a really basic one, but it's important. You know, John chapter 15, where we get that understanding from, in verse 4, says this, Abide in me, this is Jesus, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. You know what? It's like the Lord saying, I'm just reminding you. Sometimes you get this mixed up, guys. <laughs> I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears, who bears much fruit. In other words, who breaks through, who, who gets to where I want them to be for a wide open lifestyle and place. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You know the Greek word for abide means to intertwine yourself in his presence. That's what it means. It means to wrap yourself in his presence. You can't do that on a Sunday morning only. You can't do that for one minute in the car as you're driving somewhere uh, once during the week. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about a relationship where you're intertwining his presence with yours. And if you will position yourself to do that, his promise to you is you will bear much fruit. That's his part of the equation. But your part and my part is that we make the, the, the opportunity to abide, to abide with him. So as we abide with him, I believe that out of that relationship, we will be able to break through ceilings. We will have that, that, that strength and that courage to move through. And then finally, faith. This is going to take faith. This is going to take tremendous faith. I want to tell you how I spell faith. Are you ready? I went to a different school to you, and this is how I, I spell faith. T-R-U-S-T. Trust. I believe the entire Christian walk can be brought down to one simple word. Trust. Trust. I mean, you think about it today. Pastor Garen asked you to, take up a, to give an offering. Financial. For you to do that is Trust. Trust in God that he'll look after your finances. Trust that God has positioned the right people to spend that money wisely. The whole thing is around trust. When you dedicate your children to God, if those of you who have or will do, then you are doing that by trust. God, I'm entrusting you with this child. I know that there'll be things that we will go through and they will go through, but I'm trusting you that you will be able to manage and look after them. So all of our Christianity is basically centered around trust. It really is. And it's those who can't handle releasing and letting go and allowing control to go into the hands of God that will struggle in the Christian walk. Letting go. So trust will allow you 
by faith to break through the ceiling. So what does it look like when you break through that ceiling? Wow. That is exactly the same town. I'm trying to get you to see something here today. That some of your worlds are so small. And some of my world is so small because I've allowed myself to be stuck on the sticky floor. And what I think is large is actually not large at all. It's small. And until I allow myself to rise, to move into where God has for me, then my perspective isn't large enough. See, I believe when you face things in your life, you will face them, and here it is, according to the perspective you have of God. That's why two people can face the same dilemma in life, both Christians, and and react differently or move through them differently. A lot of it that I've noticed has to do with this, with their perspective of how big God really is, how much he loves them, how much they can trust him, how much they can know that he's in control of their life and their, their health and all those things. It's, it's extraordinary, but God desires all to get up to that perspective and to be above our situations, to be above those challenges. Jesus never promised you that you would not have challenges. You know, we've got to be careful sometimes with our altar calls and our calls to come to Jesus that we don't make it sugar-coated. Come to Jesus, everything's going to be perfect, you're going to be so wonderful, every problem's going to disappear from the moment I pray for you. That's not what Jesus promised at all. Matter of fact, he said that you're going to have tribulation and pain. (laughs) But what the great thing is that he's going to be with you, but he wants you to get the right perspective. Because you can walk through anything when you've got that. You can walk through anything. So how many want to get to that and see it from that height? I want to encourage you, you need to break through. You need to break through. Let's just watch this part of the film where they break through the ceiling. The jackpot, my dear sir, the grand and glorious jackpot. The chocolate? The chocolate, yes, the chocolate, but that's just the beginning. We have to get on, we have to get on, we have so much time and so little to do. Strike that, reverse it. This way, please. We'll take the Wonkavator. Step in, Charlie. Grandpa Jones, sir. This is the great glass Wonkavator. It's an elevator. It's a Wonkavator. An elevator can only go up and down, but the Wonkavator can go sideways and slantways and long ways and back ways and square ways ways and front ways and any other ways that you can think of. It can take you to any room in the whole factory just by pressing one of these buttons. Any of these buttons. Just press a button and sing. You're off. And up until now, I've pressed them all. Except one. This one. Go ahead, Charlie. Me? There it goes. Hold on tight. I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. Faster, faster. If we don't pick up enough speed, we'll never get through. Get through what? Aha. You mean we're going up and out? 
But this roof is made of glass. It'll shatter into a thousand pieces. But we'll be cut to ribbons. Probably. Hold on, everybody. Here it comes. Did you like the chocolate factory, Charlie? I think it's the most wonderful place in the whole world. I'm very pleased to hear you say that, because I'm giving it to you. That's all right, isn't it? You're giving Charlie the... I can't go on forever, and I don't really want to try. So who can I trust to run the factory when I leave and take care of the Oompa Loompas for me? Not a grown-up. A grown-up would want to do everything his own way, not mine. That's why I decided a long time ago that I had to find a child. A very honest, loving child to whom I can tell all my most precious candy-making secrets. And that's why you sent out the golden tickets. That's right. So the factory's yours, Charlie. You can move in immediately. And me? Absolutely. What happens to the, the rest? The whole family. I want you to bring them all. Mine into there. I'm getting a bit teary. Thank you, guys. That was good. Well, Don't I just wanted to show you, you know, that, that whole perspective. There's so much, even though that obviously isn't a Christian film by any means, but it's interesting some of the statements that are made. You know, don't be scared. What if this happens? All the fears that you notice on their faces as they're about to break through that ceiling, and that often happens in our own hearts. But I want you to remember that, that image today as you go away from here. I want you to imagine breaking through that ceiling, what that feeling was for, for that moment, and what is it going to be like for you? What is it going to be like for you? You know, uh, before we end this morning, I want to pray for some people, but I want you to know this. This is not the answer. This is the beginning. That miracle of breakthrough is not going to happen just at this moment in this place on this altar. It's going to be you going away with this, this understanding and saying, Lord, where are the ceilings in my life and where can I begin to position myself to stretch those things, to deal with those things? And I'm going to need some strength and courage because it's more than just a, a, an altar call with a prayer. It's more than that. It's, it's going to mean walking this thing out. It's going to mean addressing some of these things. So I want to encourage you with that today. That even though we're going to pray and I believe God for a wonderful breakthrough, I'm just confirming with you and standing with you about the fact that you're saying, God, begin this process. So as I've been preaching this morning, there may be things that have come up in your heart that you've thought, you know, yeah, there is a ceiling. There is a ceiling. I keep, I keep hitting this thing and going back again. I keep hitting this thing and going back again. I don't want to do this anymore. Enough's enough. I need to get through this. I need to get into that different perspective that God has for me. And I'm happy to pray with people. And Darren, to pray with people that are in that very position. We want to agree with you together to see that breakthrough. Amen. Well, how about we stand to our feet? I encourage you all to go home and watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory.
Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your wonderful presence. We abide in you. We, we just can't do this in our own, in our own strength and our own ability. And Lord, I thank you that you want to see us break through. That you love your kids far too much to leave them where they are. But Lord, you want to break every restriction, every stronghold, every fear, every past experience. Lord, you want to break through those things so that we can get far above every situation and circumstance and see things from your perspective. A God who's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the one who was and is and is to come, that we would see from your perspective and things would become so small. Lord, we praise you. Thank you for what you've done in our lives already. But Lord, may we never settle just to say, well, that's it. But may we continue to move forward in this journey. And I pray that you would give this church the courage to break every ceiling. Lord, I pray for the church itself that you would break through every ceiling here. Lord, every small thinking thing, every past experience, every, every negative thing, every stronghold that may be holding the church. Lord, I pray a breakthrough in that area. Lord, let this, this church fly far above every ceiling to see the perspective that you see this church. And Lord, for the people in it, bring tremendous breakthrough over this next six months. Give these people the courage and strength to walk through it. The ability to spend time with you and to intertwine with your presence. Lord, we praise you. We praise you. And Lord, as we sing this song, as people are moved by your spirit, may they be obedient to you and come forward. Not because it's going to all happen here today. But Lord, as just people in agreement, we just say, let the process begin. Let the process begin as they address some of these things. Lord, we thank you and praise you. Thank you, Jesus.